Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Diver Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Nick Cousin of KVRR in Fargo, North Dakota. Said to join us, uh, the KU grad and a good friend of mine. has got plenty to touch on here in uh, just a little while from right now. So uh, hope you stay with us and uh, check out that fantastic segment with uh, Nick Cousin joining us in uh, just a little while from right now. We are back after a couple of weeks off and uh, glad to be here with you guys once again and uh, pleased to uh, be rejoined by uh, Thomas Bridges, who's uh, here with us now. TB, what's happening? Oh, you know, just kicking it on this afternoon. It's uh, I'm not sure how it is in Lawrence, but it's super nice here in Bartlesville. Has been for the last two days, but I'm headed for a little bit colder weather. Uh, on Saturday morning, I'm going to Denver for uh, my best friend's bachelor party, and then we're going to Evergreen, where it snowed yesterday. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm not sure how I feel about it just yet. I'm glad I have a vacation, uh, and there is a hot tub at the place we're going. So, you know what, as long as there's some cold beer and some hot water involved, I can, I can, I'll be fine. There you go, where the, where the beer is ice cold, you know, woohoo! Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a, sounds like a good time. I I, uh, I just got back from that direction. I was in uh, Salt Lake uh, for the last half of last week. And was it cold there? You know what? Salt Lake wasn't cold. It was actually about the same exact temperature as Lawrence with no humidity, unlike Lawrence. And uh, out there... Uh, the the real moment that I did feel a difference though was driving through Colorado and and going to Utah. We we stopped for gas. I, I want to say somewhere you know just probably a, you know thirty minutes to an hour past the Kansas Colorado border, Tom. And mm-hmm. I get out to fill up and use the bathroom, and I was just wearing a sweatshirt at the time, and I was freezing like I could not believe how much colder it was than what I was used to back home. And it was about a 20-degree difference in how much colder it was. It was a drop-off. So uh, I, I was not prepared for that. And then we got to Utah, and everything was just fine. But, yeah, it, it's a weird awakening, Tom, when you go from, like, you haven't had any sign of snow or cold weather in weeks, and then all of a sudden you're in Colorado, and it's cold, and there's snow on the ground. Like, it's, it's, it's almost entering a whole new world of sorts. No, I I 100% agree with that. When when we went, when I went to Colorado last in August, and we tried to hike Mount Elbert, we got about 1,500 feet from the top, and I was in shorts, long socks, uh, like a uh, breathable shirt with a jacket over it, uh, like a rain jacket, uh, and and we got up to the like close to the top, and I was like, this is stupid cold i was like this is august beginning of august and we climbed that mountain and it was like 30 degrees where we were at on the top of this mountain and i was like this is insane and you know we oklahomans we hadn't had we hadn't seen 30 degrees in you know six months at least uh if not longer than that so i was like well this is definitely a change um and Colorado, while it is beautiful, man, and it's super nice in the summer. I don't know if I could do the winter months. Oh, that'd be that'd be brutal uh, to deal with that. Uh, as far as that goes, I, I I think I could. 
the uh, the the elevation thing that is a bit of a change too in dealing with that. Like I found myself in Utah, Tom. I, I was running out of breath at times. Uh, just out dealing with that and how different that it's is. It's a real thing. Oh, it is. They were asking the players uh, about how much it would affect them and such, and and I thought that was kind of silly because the Utah Jazz were not playing. It wasn't a home game where they had a home court advantage of sorts. I mean, both teams in every game were having to deal with it the same way. So I I thought that was kind of silly to ask because it was going to affect both teams the same way uh, as far as that goes. But you you did notice it just walking around. You you, you walk a couple flights of stairs and like, oh, my goodness. I I felt like I walked a mountain of some sorts. Yeah, it is a lot different in – you know, I didn't get altitude sickness when we tried to hike the mountain, but I can imagine, like, even in Denver, I mean, I feel like Denver might be more prominent as far as a home court advantage when it comes to sports teams because, you know, you see Mile High Stadium, see the opposing teams sucking down air, uh, at, you know, after a big play or a long play, you see, you know, a lineman running to the sideline and getting on the oxygen machine. But I can even imagine, you know, like for, for basketball teams going to play the Nuggets. Uh, I mean, Pepsi Center is right in the heart of Denver. Uh, I, I mean, it's viewing distance from Mile High, so I can only imagine the you know up and down the court. Here, I get super winded in anyway, so I can imagine trying to play full court basketball uh, would be a hell of a challenge. Salt Lake, by the way, wasn't bad. I, I enjoyed Salt Lake. I don't know if I would ever go back there just to go back there i would need reason to go to salt lake like this of the ncaa tournament and such but i, I was, a was fan. it better than lexington it was better yes it was better than lexington yes it was i i very much uh enjoyed my time in salt lake i, I will say tom and, and don't take this the wrong way and i know that you probably will but i'll still specify you'll clarify and say don't take this wrong way i don't know if i've ever seen so many white people in one place in my life well, yeah, I mean, I've never seen a black Mormon. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. Uh, I do know a, uh, a few Native American Mormons. Um, I do. So maybe that's a little bit surprising. But, I mean, you are in the heart of Mormon City. Yeah, the uh, the population of Salt Lake County is 51% Mormon. And... The entire state of Utah is like sixty percent Mormon. My God, I wonder what Provo is. Oh, it's got to be like probably seventy-five or eighty. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah, and I've never, you know, you don't really see, you know, you don't see any Asians that are Mormons. You don't see any Mexicans that are Mormons. You don't see any blacks that are Mormons. Oh, and and they don't want to be called Mormons anymore. I found out that. What? They want what to be called by their Latter-day formal Saints? name. They, they want to be known as, not even LDS either, they want to be known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. No. No. They don't get to choose. They, they want people to call them Latter-day Saints and everything, yes. Oh, man. what a, that, that is definitely a culture shock coming from Oklahoma where everyone's either Southern Baptist or Methodist. Or not uh, national, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that was. Oh, that was a little. You didn't get. You didn't go to the temple on Sunday. I did not. I had to hit the road. Uh, couldn't make it. I heard good things. I had some friends that went and saw the Tabernacle Choir, and just I heard nothing but good things. Oh, they're great. 
Yeah, hundred percent. That what day was that? Uh, Thursday night. They're having some rehearsal of some sorts. I, I couldn't make it over there, but I heard nothing but good things. I bet that would be that would have been awesome to see. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of good things. Salt Lake was a good town. I enjoyed it. Uh, KU. What about what a fitting fashion for KU to go out the way that they did, just to lay an egg and to give up three point shots all over the place to Auburn. I was not surprised one bit. In fact, I picked Auburn to beat KU in my bracket. I hate to be that guy to hate to brag, but I did. Uh, the, the way that Auburn came out, and the way that they just you know took KU to the woodshed, uh, that was not shocking one bit, and a very fitting end to KU season. Yeah, I mean it was, and it was kind of reminiscent of last year. You know, even though this was in the round of thirty-two instead of final four, um, but. Yeah, you know, it, it was kind of time for KU to just put this season to rest, let this, you know, season move past them. Uh, and, and, you know, it might not have been the ending that they wanted. I mean, if, you know, a Sweet 16 berth would have been a little, you know, would have been a, a different type of kiss on the end of the season. But, uh, you know, for what, for the kind of hand that they were dealt all season, you know, you know, to win in the fashion that they did in the first round, while that team that they played wasn't worth a damn. Um, you know, to go out against a hot shooting Auburn team, uh, for the hand that they were dealt, you got to kind of pat them on the back and say, go get them next year. I'll say this. When you, when you look at this Kansas team and you know, look back at this, this past year, Tom, I, I can't help but think the, the big question is, what did this team accomplish? And they didn't win the Big 12. They didn't win the Big 12 tournament. They were eliminated in the second round. There, there's not much that you can point to with this group. And as good of a job Bill Self did to win that those 14 straight Big 12 titles, to have all this talent with the McDonald's All-Americans that they did and the, you know, the five- and four-star players, in all reality, Bill Self did, had, you know, did pretty average with this group. It was an average coaching job by Bill Self to – only get this team to the second round to only be a four seed and have nothing to show for it. Uh, I, I'm one of big, you know, Bill Self's biggest defenders, and I love Bill Self, but this was not his best work that he and his team put together. I know that they dealt with some injuries, had a lot of distractions and different things, but at the end of the day, this group accomplished absolutely nothing this year. Well, I mean, compared to last year, I mean, you can't – I guess for for – KU Blue Blood basketball, you know, this year is obviously a disappointment. But for any other Big 12 team, uh, this is a decent year. Or you well, what they walk away with? What they walk away with? What marks the success of this group? You know, they didn't necessarily walk away with anything spectacular. But I mean, after a run, after a, a what, 13, 14 year Big 12 run? 14. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to come to an end eventually. I mean, it's kind of like the, how I view the Spurs. Like, if the Spurs are the eighth seed this year and get bounced out, you know, you look at – I know I always relate things back to the Spurs, but it's it's a very similar situation on what we're dealing with here. Uh, even look at last year, the Spurs had all those 50-game win seasons. Eventually, that was going to come to an end. And it was very disappointing as a Spurs fan. Like, what did they do? They got They won one game against the Warriors last year in the first round. Uh, which was like a gentleman's sweep kind of deal. And then after that, got bounced out. And, and this year, they might not even win 50 games. 
again, and you lose Kawhi Leonard and, and all that. And after having Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili all those years, it's going to hurt or it's going to feel different or, you know, there's going to be some disappointment. And while KU is feeling that now, like what did they do this season? Every season realistically is not going to be a big 12 championship winning year as much as it was for 13 years. Uh, and, and that probably won't ever be done again. 13 straight. That 14. would be very hard to believe. Um, but you know, it's not going to be like that every year. And as fans, it's tough to see it when it finally go. When the ship finally sinks, it sucks. It does. It does. Uh, considering all that they had accomplished for that stretch of 14 years to all of a sudden they end with nothing. And nothing to show for this group. That, that's disappointing when you, when you look at that with this team, that it was the case. Now, going forward... I've heard some really dumb hot takes as far as when it comes to this KU team. I was listening to a, uh, a station in KC, one of the afternoon shows. I won't say which one it was. But they had mentioned, they said, is this a turning point for Bill Self that you know he, he doesn't have any five-star players uh, recruited right now and they didn't win the Big 12 and you got this Adidas stuff hanging over them? Is this when it, you know, are they going to start to struggle? Are they going to start to be average like UCLA or Arizona? And I'm like, hold on, hold on. I mean, this was, you know, you had about everything that could have gone wrong for this team last year with Silvio DeSouza not being eligible, Yudoka Zabuki being out for the year, uh, Marcus Garrett was injured for a period of time. I mean, you, you had a number of things just pile up and add up for this KU team that got in their way, and they didn't win anything. Yes, I get that, and that wasn't good. But to say that's going to affect them going forward, that this is a turning point, I think it's ridiculous because nothing we've seen from Bill Self would say otherwise than that they have been a mark of consistency. This team still finished you know, a game or two out of first place in their down year, quote-unquote. I am not concerned about the future of Kansas basketball, and I don't think anybody should be concerned about what's to come with this program because uh, they, they've been so good for so long. They're still the, you know, the, they have the biggest culture and biggest history of any Big 12 program out there. They're still the favorites in the league every single year. Uh, they're, they're still going to bring in top talent. I know that they don't have any five-star recruits at the moment, but Bill Self will work his magic. He'll still get a couple of guys he wants, and they're going to be just fine. Um, one down year does not change the path of what this program is going to do. In fact, it wouldn't shock me if they bounce right back next year to winning the Big 12. You know, they're going to have a decent amount of talent back next year, especially after starting four freshmen. Most of those guys are going to be back next year. Would not shock me one bit if after this down year for KU, they go out and win the Big 12, go out and be a one seed in the NCAA tournament and make a run in March. Would not surprise you one bit. This is this is not a turning point. This is not the start of bad things to come for KU. This was just a, such an outlier of a year for KU where everything just happened to go, didn't go their way, and they still almost won the league. Exactly. I mean, it's not like, you know, this is going to be, there's no, there's no change of culture or reason to be worried. I mean, it just is what it is at this point. There, It was going to come down. To something happening uh, like this season. They, I mean, they got plagued with the injury. I still am a hardcore believer, and if Azubuki would have not went down, 
Uh, this would have been a lot different year. And it's not like Azubuki like changes that much. I mean, what did he average, like 16, 17 points a game? Right. Uh, but just his presence on the court could have changed a whole lot. Uh, I mean, he could have been present still this year and not went down, and we could be saying the same thing. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different factors. Uh, but we talked about it before on the show that KU finally got the injury bug after however many years of riding it out while everybody else got injured or everybody else dealt with unfortunate circumstances. This year was unfortunately KU's year to get that, you know, they got, like, like I said, they got dealt the hand, they got dealt, and they did the best that they could with it. Uh, and, you know, it just didn't pan out like it did for the last 13 years. So you would be remiss to say next year is going to be the same result or even worse. I mean, when you have the past 13 years before this year to look at. Uh, I mean, if you look at the odds there, the odds are that KU probably will win the Big 12 next year. Well, and, and think about this. I, I say this team didn't accomplish anything. You know, they don't have anything to show for. But realistically, they're in the same position going into next year as what we've seen with a number of KU teams. That even during the streak, there were KU teams that were eliminated in the second round during the streak. You know, 2015, they lost to Wichita State, and that seemed like that was about as embarrassing as it could get to lose to a mid-major from your own state in the second round seemed to be pretty bad. But you know what? The next year, KU was a one seed. They won the Big 12, and they made the Elite Eight. Uh, I mean, you just can't carry that over and assume that, you know, just because you had one down year that things are going to go that way. Think about this. Look at these other Blue Bloods and what they've been through. I I mentioned UCLA and Arizona, how much they've fallen off and how down those schools have been. But Kentucky had a year where they went to the NIT and had some very serious talent. The next year, they went on to play in the national championship game. You know, North Carolina, under Roy Williams, has played in the NIT. There's been a number of teams that had that down year, and you know what? They were just fine. In fact, their down year was a lot harder than KU's down year, what they dealt with. You know, KU's been in the NCAA tournament now 30 consecutive years that's a record. That's almost as impressive as the conference championship streak. Uh, for KU to be in the position that they are, they're, they're going to be just fine. You you can't win it every single year. You can't be in the position that they are, you know, make deep runs in the tournament every single year. You, you put it behind them. These guys, this young group will grow together. They'll move forward and they'll move ahead to, uh, to next season and it'll almost be like this never happened. If anything, uh, these guys only will benefit and grow from this situation. I don't see any carryover, any holdover from this previous season. Uh, I mean, because there, there's no, there's nothing that you can point to that says that it's just a fact that it's going to be this way. This group's going to be just fine. Oh, yeah, of course they will. And, and like I previously mentioned, and you, you did as well, you can't win it every year. I mean, I feel like the last time that I saw maybe this much worry uh, about a KU team might have been when they lost to Northern Iowa. Uh, what year was that? Uh, that was all the way back in, like, uh, gosh, was that 2008? Oh, yeah, I was thinking 08, yeah. Yeah, that was the and that was the year before they won the national championship. Exactly. So, let's, I mean, I'm not saying KU is going to go win the national championship next year, but there's a, a pretty good chance that they might. Uh, so 
you know, anything can happen with this KU team. As far when I said anything but up from here, I don't think they regress uh, from this year. I mean, for KU, uh, you know, getting to the tournament as a four seed is a down year, while, you know, for most teams, hell, even making the tournament is a good year. Uh, so you can't just go off one year. I mean, you kind of have to mix the last 14 together and say, hey, we've had our ups and downs. Uh, we've overcome, and, and, you know, it's just what it's going to be. KU's probably going to be Big 12 next year. I would be if they weren't the favorites. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the Big 12, Texas Tech is the only remaining team in the NCAA tournament. The other five were all eliminated in that first weekend. Uh, I mean, Texas Tech being in the position that they are, I would not be shocked one bit if they do make it to the Final Four and get through Gonzaga and Michigan. Uh, they, they very well could do that and get to the Final Four. I don't think that they'll win the national championship per se, but Texas Tech is very capable. They're playing some really good basketball. After dropping that first game in the Big 12 tournament to West Virginia, they looked just fine last weekend, the two games they played in Tulsa. It, it was as if that game against West Virginia didn't happen. There's always two paths, I, I feel like, when it, when it comes to conference tournaments that are ideal for going to the NCAA tournament. Either you lose in the opening round, and then you get a bye week, essentially, to prepare for the big dance and use that to your advantage. Or you win the Big 12 Tournament Championship, and then you have momentum going into the NCAA Tournament. And Texas Tech, from all indications of losing that opening game to West Virginia and the way that they came out last week playing outstanding in their two wins, it looked like that they were not affected one bit, that they used that Big 12 tournament loss to their advantage. Uh, they're, they're in good shape. They, they should be in good position to advance to the Final Four if they can get through, you know, getting through Michigan and Gonzaga is not impossible for this team. Yeah, of course not. And, and I think the whole Big 12 uh, is rooting for them here on out, and I agree. I think they could make the Final Four. Now, are they going to win the whole thing? Mm, probably not. Uh, but... With the way they've been playing pretty good basketball here lately, I, they have a fairly good shot to go ahead and make the Final Four. They're in my Final Four on my bracket. The uh, the rest of the league getting eliminated in that first weekend, I wasn't really surprised. The, the Big 12 has not been great when it comes to the tournament uh, in the uh, last few years. I know that they've sent two teams in the, in the Final Four in the last three, but they're not reaching the success level, Tom. You remember the early 2000s when... You had in uh, in like 2002, for example, you had two Big 12 teams in OU and Kansas make the Final Four. 2003, you had two Big 12 teams in KU and Texas make the Final Four. You're not getting that same tournament success that you once had back then. Uh, I mean, you know, Oklahoma State made it the year after that. There was a stretch where the, K- where the Big 12 had, I believe, five teams in three years make the Final Four. You're not getting that level of success like you once had in the NCAA tournament. And... I'm not surprised one bit that you know Texas Tech's the only team remaining. Texas, you know Iowa State, we always knew was a wild card that they were such an up and down team, and they ran into a wall against Ohio State. Ohio State was the better team that day. We talked about KU, no shock there. K State this year was just not the team without Dean Wade like they were last year. With with K State not having Dean Wade. Uh, they, they were not able to run as efficiently and effectively. They depended more on Dean Wade this year than they did last year, and it really came to bite them, and they ran into a tough matchup with UC Irvine. 
with them playing small ball, uh, UC Irvine was able to use that to their advantage. That was a bad matchup for those guys. Uh, Oklahoma, good for them, good for them, and Baylor to each get first-round wins. But we knew that when they got to that second round, they were facing inferior opponents. Oklahoma went up against a Virginia team that was just simply better than they were. In Oklahoma, it was going to be hard for them to put up the points that they did, uh, to at least score even a lot after scoring as much as they did in that opening round game. Going up against a great defense like Virginia, it was going to be hard for OU to put up a matchup like that again. And in Baylor's case, you get the win against Syracuse, that was nice, but you know, no way were they to the competitive level of Gonzaga. Gonzaga may be in a mid-major conference, but they're everything but a mid-major. Baylor just did not have the horses to hang with Gonzaga. I mean, simple as that. Uh, when you look at the Big 12, yes, only one team advanced, but I'm not really that surprised because this was a down year for the league. Still a good year for the league. Still some good teams from top to bottom, but this was a down year, and this result is really not that surprising. No, not at all. I'm not shocked at all that the Tech, uh, you know, is the only Big 12 team still alive. Now, I did have KU beating Auburn. I figured it was going to be, I mean, to be fair, I was going to put Tech, KU, and K-State in the Sweet 16 is what I had. Uh, but with the way it did go, you know, as far as K-State's situation is a little bit different uh, with that tough matchup, uh, you know, an unfortunate matchup on their end. Uh, and then KU just, I mean, the way that game went just was very reminiscent of the Villanova game. And, I mean, Auburn just three after three after three after three. It was bad uh, almost before it even started. Um, so for Tech to be the only team left, yeah, it was a down year for the league. It's a little disappointing. But at the same time, we kind of guessed that this could have been the situation. Right. And when I look at the next year, Tom, I think Texas Tech, You know, obviously they overachieved this year. They'll lose Jared Culver. But Texas Tech's going to be right up there again. KU is going to be better than what they were before. Oklahoma finished off the year really well. And they bring in uh, Lon Kruger's best ever recruiting class since he's been at OU coming in next year, uh, they'll be really good. Uh, Oklahoma State and West Virginia will be improved. Uh, I think looking at next year as a whole, and, and Iowa State, all those, you know, K-State, K-State's going to drop off a bit, but they'll still be a very good team, bringing back Xavier Sneed and some of those guys uh, as far as that goes. Basically, all in all, when you look at this league going into next year, Tom, I think it's going to be more like the Big 12 we're used to, of the domination we've seen the last few years. I, I'm going to go out and say this, Tom, that going into next year, all 10 teams in the Big 12 are capable of making the NCAA tournament. The problem is you play a round-robin schedule with 18 games. There's not a whole lot of wins to go around for everybody. Uh, I mean, you know, you, this year you had Oklahoma making the big dance at 7-11 in, in league play. If these teams, if... If there's going to be more than seven make the tournament, they're going to have to schedule some tough non-con games and help out that non-con resume for the net and strike the schedule and all that uh, business. But just on talent level alone, next year, uh, I think that we're looking at 10 teams with a real shot that everybody in the league's got a chance to make the tournament. No, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, West Virginia will come back and be a little bit better. and you know, Cannot State coming back will be everybody. huge for them. Yeah, oh, of course. And... 
I there's no doubt in my mind that any one team, uh, you know, as far as, you know, you got your K-State, Iowa State, K-State, Tech, you know, you have those, you know, your top four there. Uh, but, you know, any of the bottom six or any of the rest of the teams, yeah, of course they have a shot. Now, all teams are not going to make it, obviously, because like you said, there's not enough wins to go around. But uh, anybody, you know, it's going to be anyone has a shot any given day. It's going to be back to the uh, – it's going to be back like last season was. Uh, it's going to be everyone's beating everybody up. Uh, anybody can win on any given day. I mean, remember last season how unpredictable that was? Uh, I think we're right back to that next season. Right, right. And, and you can't have that just like with KU and their constant string of success. You know, eventually there's a wall that hits, and I think that you see that with these conferences too. You can't just be the best conference every single year. Eventually you do hit that wall. And the Big 12 hit that this year, still a good league. <laughs> but not what they were in the last several years, and, and that just happens. Uh, sign of where the league's at, uh, per se, and they'll be really good going into next year. I want to talk more about the bracket, the Sweet 16, the teams that are left uh, going into this weekend. Uh, I mean, it, we, we see a lot of chalk on this bracket. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that, among other things. But first, uh, we got a great conversation with Nick Cousin of a KVRR in uh, Fargo. He's set to join us. All that more coming up next, right here on the Jones Report. We welcome into the Jones Report at this time from KVRR, the Fox affiliate in Fargo, North Dakota. He is a good friend of mine. He's also a University of Kansas grad. It is uh, Nick Cousin who joins us for the very first time on the uh, Jones Report right now. Nicky, what's happening? It's good to be on, man. Long time coming. Yeah, very, very long time. You know, just waiting until I got that big boy job before being able to come on here, so... You've been wanting this invite for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Well, you you kind of course. invited yourself even. You're like, hey, I'm in town. I can do your podcast. Like, you know what? Uh, we can make that happen. Hey, we're here and doing it, so. Yes. Uh, glad to have you on, Nick. Uh, you uh, got a little taste of uh, KU football practice, got back in the KU beat again. It was it was really nice that I was just able to walk right in, and they allowed alumni on, alumni media members, just right, right into the practice. I bet it was uh, good just to actually go where the sun exists. Yes, because there is no su- sun in Fargo, and if it is, it's not really warming things up as as we speak. And uh, I bet it was nice to see KU football and not David Beatty in the same place. Oh yeah, that that was not a good relationship, not a good mesh. But you know, what do you not... really think of David Beatty? Do we have to get into that? I mean, you might as well. Uh, he, yeah, uh, he. This is a podcast, so you can say what you really. Think. He was, yeah, he, him and K football just they did not go. It, I feel like it, you're still holding. It was back. not a good. He was, yeah, he, yeah, it did not did not work out. It was not a good relationship. Les Miles, first time you've seen him. What do you think? I think he's he's going to be a good. He he's going to put the program in the right direction. Obviously, it's going to take a while because David Beatty put the program back even further. Uh, from when he inherited it, the people that said he progressed the program, I think that is incorrect. I think it is still worse. They still have the scholarship limitation. They still have, except for one or two guys, not very good talent coming into the program. So I think with less miles, with the name recognition itself, is just going to help the program. Oh, it, it should. You would think it would. And uh, uh, today, just being out there, it seemed like a whole different attitude and, and atmosphere 
Uh, I, I know that we got to be there a lot longer than what we ever were under David Beatty, but just the little snippet uh, it seems like a whole different uh, just culture there. And yeah, the energy was up. Everybody seemed to be enjoying themselves. The last three years under David Beatty, it just seemed like there was just this negativity in the room, this discomfort in the room, and it didn't feel like anybody wanted to be there. But Les Miles walks right up to you, greets you with a smile, jokes around a little bit. Never got that out of David Beatty. I'm sure you're very sad you didn't see uh, your girl Smacker, Smacker Miles. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, but I, I look forward to her next interview with her, her dad. If Smacker's listening right now, what would you say to Smacker? Hit me up. Oh, shoot or shoot. <laughs> yeah, got to, got I, to. I like it, I like it. Going straight for the coach's daughter, no no hesitation. Hey, he's not my coach of the team I cover, so it's all good in my eyes. All right, just uh, just take it one, one gal at a time. Yeah, exactly. Just like how every team takes one game at a time, take one girl at a time. <laughs> just take that same mentality. <laughs> I like it. I like the approach. Um as uh, you got a little distant from uh, KU football, did uh, or did you just come to your senses like you know what I I I can't take any longer of not seeing a losing football team that I got to come back. Yeah, that was my main my main reason to come back. I was you, like, you saw too much winning. With yes, North Dakota State. I saw too much winning and just had to come. I saw a national championship and I just had to come back and see the. I, I can't even. What four was it? Four wins in my four years here. I can't even back to reality. Yeah, it was it was it was nice. When they won three last year, three. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, uh, not on not on TV much in Fargo to be, to be able to watch them. I'm sure you 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 mean it's hard to find the uh, the Fox Sports Regional Network yes. standard definition. Yes, on the cable company. Yeah, unless unless cable football is ever on Fox Sports North for anything, then it is very. Very hard to find just Jayhawk football. Right. <laughs> oh, that's that's good stuff, Nick. Uh, but glad you came down. And uh, as as you've watched up there, I'm sure you you can watch plenty of KU basketball, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, KU, KU basketball in itself, you know, everybody wants to watch KU basketball. If it's on ESPN, you know I'll be watching it. I know as, as a journalist, like we – you know, we take ourselves away, and like I could care less if KU wins or loses. As oh yeah, and you know that's how team. I feel as as well. Uh, now that you're just an alum, do you do you actually cheer on KU now? Well, we talked about this a little bit before coming on. Uh, I mean, I I cheer because I'm an alum, but and you're not covering the team. But yeah, exactly. But there's the big butt in the room. You know, um, I still have my realistic interpretations of the team. Well, like I personally felt that Auburn was going to beat KU in the round of 32. I right. did I did think that was going to happen. I think that was going to be a surprise if KU made it to Kansas City for the Sweet 16. So I still have my it's like it's like cheering for my Chicago teams. I know the White Sox are going to be bad. I know the Bulls are going to be bad, but I still cheer for them no matter what. It, it's it's that kind of deal now. Uh how about that uh, dumb rumor about uh, Bill Self to the Bulls? Uh, would you would you accept that? Would you welcome Billy to uh the Bulls? I would welcome him as the coach, but he doesn't want to get into that situation. Gar Pax, the Gar Foreman, John Paxson situation is a toxic environment. We saw it with Freddie Hoiberg when he went there, how toxic that situation is, and you don't want to go into a situation like that. And with the situation Bill Self is here with all the lore around him, I would not want to go anywhere else. If I were so uh, as a fan of both Kansas basketball and the Chicago Bulls, 
if you're given the choice, you would you would like him to stay at KU. I think that's the best choice for him. What about as you as as the fan? As the fan, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I like where the Bulls are getting at right now with the current coach, and I think that seeing a college coach already not succeed with that team, I think a college coach going there would not be a good mesh. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, and and Hoiberg was a heck of a college coach too. Competed toe to toe with Bill Self mm-hmm. there at Iowa State, so he had not a given that things would work. So that's uh, that's interesting uh, as far as that goes. Uh, so so North Dakota, uh, kind of cold up there. Uh, yeah, you betcha. Twenty degree. It was the day I left. It was one of the nicer days that I experienced, and it was about forty degrees. And that's a nice day. And that's a nice day. That, as it, we currently speak, it that's a nice day. People in Kansas wear like heavy coats when it's forty degrees. I know. That's, and I'm, you know, what I'm wearing when it's forty degrees? Shorts and a t-shirt, and I have my windows down on my car. Oh, that must North be nice. Dakota. Yes. What uh? What what's there to do in Fargo? In the winter, not a whole lot. Um, do you like just ski every off day? You can't even ski. There's no mountains. It's flat. Oh, that's right. Um. So you can't just like drive down. You can't, and you can't like ski on Mount Rushmore, or go down to South Dakota or something. No, it's too far. Too far of a drive. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I, but I do enjoy shoveling myself out of the parking lot on nights that it snows. Every every at time? the station, yes, I did it three Saturdays ago. There were six of us all on the weekend weekend newscast, and we shoveled ourselves out of the parking lot. Have you gotten to the point yet where you've slept at the station? It, I got close a couple times. They told us to be ready to stay in the station because we could get snowed in. But we were able to shovel ourselves out of there. What, what would you have done if you would have had to stay at the station? Would you like just ordered a lot of pizza? Probably. Hopefully the pizza guy would get there. Be able to get That's there. the other problem. Yeah, that's the other problem. So there's a lot of problems you have to take into consideration. Is it a, uh, pardon my French, is it a dick move to order pizza when, uh, when it's bad weather? Ask the pizza guy. What, what what do you think? I, like I feel like if you tip good enough, and they say they're going to do it, then you're in the clear. Yes, I I feel the same. But I would I would if I, if that were me, I would feel really bad for myself. Oh yeah, I would uh, I would quit my job uh, <laughs> as a pizza guy before I would like actually deliver pizzas in the snow. Oh yeah, totally. I would I I would I don't even like driving to work in the snow. So why would I like driving to work? As a delivery guy, delivering food to people that are nice and warm inside, not having to drive in the snow. One time, I was uh, late for work uh, this this winter because uh, I forgot to schedule a uh, you know a, a pickup or whatever, and there was not a single Uber available with uh, the snow and ice on the ground. Like they're like, no, nope, we're out. We're not doing this. We're not getting out to pick you up. You're on your own, man. Well, I mean, I have my own story with that actually. Go so ahead. After- so after uh, I worked my first thir- stretch of 12 to 13 days uh, for Christmas, I actually got to go home the day after Christmas, and there was a huge snowstorm overnight the day I was going to leave to come to go back home to Chicago. And flights got canceled, so I wasn't able to get out the, that day. So I had to wait an extra day in Fargo, and I only had five days off, so I already lost a day there. So I had four days, so then it became four days. So I was able to get on a train, 13-hour train ride from Fargo to Chicago to come home. And that train ended up being delayed because of the weather. 
and there was a a freight train that was actually blocking the one single track that comes into Fargo. So the Amtrak train could not get into Fargo at 2.30 a.m. when it was supposed to come. So I met a f- people that were standing outside. They were they had a car, and so I became friendly with them. We were sitting in the car for three hours while we were waiting for this train to come in. And then it finally came at 5.30, got on the train, and then I was home about 60 hours after I was supposed to be home. It was like planes, trains, and automobiles. Exactly. It, it was that you exact seen that movie? movie. Yes. Very that, good movie. That is the exact life I lived in that 24-hour time. That uh, that sounds uh, difficult. Yes, and but that that's Fargo for you though. That's okay. Typical Fargo. Here's something I got for you. What's the deal with North Dakotians? Is that what you call them, North Dakotians? North North Dakotans. Yeah, North, North Dakotans. Dakotans. Yeah. What's the deal with them calling their football team the Bison when there's no Z? Oh, it's not just the football team. It's it's every oh, team that's involved. There. Yeah. What's with that? There's no Z. I'm still trying to figure that out. I, a, a bison I, is not I have, a real thing. I have no idea. I still try to figure that out. Um, have you asked? Have you done some investigating on that? I should ask. Um, but when my boss, when I asked my boss, he just said that's just what they prefer to be called. Bison. Bison, yeah. That makes no sense. It's not a real thing, but got to give respect where respect is due and call them that. I think that you say uh, I'm going to call it how it's spelled. It's it's a it's a bison, damn it. You well, know? you know the most confusing thing is is there's the Bucknell bison, right. there's the North Dakota State bison, and then I forget, but there's another other school where they're the bisons, which is not even, which is not that's not a real thing either. That's confusing because bison is bison, whether it's plural or singular. Yeah, that's confusing. Yes, the 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 bison, the bisons, and the bison. That's like a, a mouthful. Right yes. There. Say that three times fast. How hard is it not to confuse them, too? Well, good thing they're not in the same conference or the same league. Right. Because how confusing would that be? Oh, that would be awful. That would be awful to deal with, uh, do, dealing with that uh, right there in, in Fargo. Uh, I, I hear that uh, that 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 university, they, they, they know how to get down. They know how to party a bit. A little bit. I haven't been able to really experience that, but... I've heard from people that I've met at the at the university. Well, probably because there's not much to do other than like drink in Fargo. Pretty much, uh, after the newscast on the weekends, you know, you go out with the with the weekend squad or the weekend crew, whatever you want to call it, and you know, you go to go go to local bar, have a have a have a couple of drinks, and have a good time. I always feel like the weekend squad in almost any market like feels a sense of pride compared to the weekday squad because they're like, hey, we're the second team, and we like have been through, like, some more stuff together. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's all, it works out really well because being at an entry-level station, you have people that are the same age as you. So you, you go through the same hardships, the same – go through the ringer together. And you and you bond together because you're, you're there all day with each other. And if you get the call up to, like, weekday or move to a bigger market before everyone else, like, you've almost won-up them. Like, part of them is jealous, but the part of them, they're like, hey, that's one of our guys that moved up too. Yeah, so yeah, there's that there's that pride, but there's also that, you know. Like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what they exactly. do. Exactly. I work just as hard as they do. Yeah. You know, what's going on here? So, I, mean, I mean, I have done it on the weekdays, too, and it's a little, it's a different dynamic just because the weekday, is a little, they're a little bit older. Sure. They're, they're the more seasoned veterans, so it's, it's a little, it gets a little weird at times. 
kind of trying to relate or mesh with them. Be on the desk with someone that's old enough to be your dad. Yeah. Be like, what's up, dad? How's, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't go that today? far, but it's it's hard to it's hard to mesh with them. Where it's easier to mesh with somebody that's a year or two older than me. Okay, here's it's easier. Here's a question for you: If you were not a a a journalist or a a sports anchor, what what would you be? Ooh, I never really thought thought about that, but I guess thinking about it off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to my mind because in high school, I was a camp counselor mm. for kindergarten and second graders and I really enjoyed that and the kids liked me and I actually got a lot of babysitting gigs babysitting money is good money it is so I think maybe I would have thinking about it I think I would have probably gone into maybe teaching or some something along those what about lines. Nick the Manny the Manny that sounds like a movie yeah Nick the Manny let's do it let's do it let's find some kids out there if anyone listening wants uh wants Nick to be their Manny uh, make him a significant offer that's more than his TV gig, and he might consider. Yeah, I, I would. Maybe it, I could even do it as a side job. Oh, yeah. I, I have two off days. Pick up some kids yeah, on I'll the pick side? Yeah, I'll pick up some kids on the side. <laughs> you roll up in your white van <laughs> and give out candy? Uh, I'll roll up in my Buick Encore, my gray Buick Encore. And, and But you'll still give out candy? you got to be nice. <laughs> Somehow, some way. Um, Chicago, do you prefer Midway or O'Hare? They both have their their likabilities. If you had to pick one. O'Hare's better because they're I don't know if you've ever flown I've into I've flown into both. Okay. Yeah. So then you know the, the terminal where you come in and you're going down the escalators and there's all, all the lights yeah. flashing. To me, when I see that and I watch that and I just take it all in and embrace it, I know it's that feeling of home. I like Midway better because I got in and out quicker. Well, yeah. Well, that's not the, for any other that, reason. No, that is the good thing about Midway is you do get in quicker. You don't have to deal with um, as many travelers as you were with O'Hare, where there's six terminals now, because they just add another terminal for international KCI flights. KCI has one. K- KCI is great too, just because yeah. you literally are. I can get. Or KCI I, is about to shift to a I, one terminal. I can I can show up at KCI. Or MCI, whatever whatever they like to be called. It's different. It's confusing. It's confusing, different, whatever. I can show up 20 minutes before my flight and still get there with plenty of with, with flying colors. I can get right? there. Right? Yeah. Not a uh, not a bad deal as far as that goes. No. Uh, a lot of ways to uh, travel to the uh, great city of Chicago, and you still just might end up on a train uh, and find your way to do so. As, and uh, Fargo does have direct flights to Chicago. It just so happened that they could not fly that day. That's unfortunate. Very. That is. Uh, Chris Kleiman, what do you think of the guy? He's a great guy. And I'm happy that he got his, his good payday at K-State. And, you know, he, he's, he's, the, he's the player's coach. The players love him. And, he, and I hope he does well at K-State. I, don't, I think win the darn day is too PC. It's too PC? Yes. That's your opinion. Say damn. Win the damn day. You gotta be that North Dakota nice. I know. Apparently, is that yeah. really a thing? That is a real thing. North Dakota nice is a real thing. There's not like anybody that's just straight up jerk. No, here's the definition: of North Dakota nice. With all the snow on the ground, Fargo plows the streets after the snowfall is done. So that's around one or two in the in the morning. So that kind of makes it tough if you have to get places during the day or night. And I was at the gym, and I was coming out of the gym, and a person got stuck their car got stuck and then 
people will just come up and help you push your car out of the snow, just out of their own great human kindness. Have you done that for somebody? I have. Really? But I'm just a nice person. Have you needed help in that type of thing? Yeah, it's it's the pay it forward thing. You know, okay. I, I would hope that if I helped somebody push their car out, they would do the same for me if I were in that situation. So do you think Chris Kleiman would do the same? Yes. Really? Yes, he would. So Chris Kleiman, like, just got done with a workout at, you know, Planet Fitness. Uh, Even though he's not working out at Planet Fitness. No, okay. If, if Chris Kleiman was in the parking lot of Planet Fitness and he saw somebody was stuck, you think he would take the time to Oh, help definitely. Him? But also people would probably want to take selfies with him and pictures with him because he is, like, he is what the Bill self is to Lawrence to Fargo. Like, when, the, when Chris Kleiman left and went to K-State— was, it, was there tears shed? There was many tears shed, but there is still, to this day, billboards hanging up in Fargo of Chris Kleiman saying, thank you, Kleiman. Thank you. Really? Yes. With his horns up, because you, it's horns up, hashtag horns up. Now it's horns down for him. Yeah. He, he's had to change that bet. If, if Chris Kleiman and Les Miles got in a fight, who would you bet on? Ooh. I think Chris Kleiman would... Just take him because he's a little on the he's on the younger side. Okay, so age, age over beauty. Yeah, let's let's go with that. <laughs> sure. Are you are you saying Les Miles is a beautiful beautiful specimen? He is a very attractive man, like especially for his age. Like if I look like Les Miles does when I'm sixty five, I'll take that. Yeah, it's not bad. He doesn't look at sixty five. I'll tell you that. No, no, he doesn't. If uh, you told me he was sixty five, would not believe you. He's aging well, and KU needs a coach like that. That uh. Ex- the experienced like veteran. Yes. What is one thing that most people don't know about Nick Cousin? Ooh. Wow. That's a that's a tough one. I guess I'm a family guy. People don't know. You're that Peter enough. Griffin? Yeah, yeah. Well yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> we'll say that. I'm a family guy. <laughs> I put I always put I always put family first. You're you're Catholic. Does that mean you're gonna have like Ten kids, isn't that what Mormons do? Catholics too. Uh you're it, saying not as much. Not I, like Mormons. This is this is my thing, and I've always and I've always said. Okay. I want so the cousin name and how awesome it is with the Z. It's its own. It's like the Bison, but it's cousin. Isn't there some broadcaster besides you with the last name cousin? But it's not spelled the same. Oh, Mike Cousin. I think that's who Yeah, it is. Mike Cousins. But it's not spelled. He has an E instead of an I. He has an E? What yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But a little side note. Somebody did come up. People have come up to me in Fargo and asked, asked me if I was related to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I have gotten that. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, he's my third cousin, but not really. Yeah, he's your cousin with, a, with yes. an S? Because they're all Vikings fans up there. So, that's right. So... But I'm like, no, he's not my cousin. Sorry. It's not the same. Yeah, it's a little bit different as far yeah. as that goes. Uh, but, yeah. All right. Well, I- I'm glad that you're enjoying Fargo and that it's uh, treating you well up there yeah. uh, as far as but, things go. Yeah, yeah. So, like, but the cousin name ends with me. It ends so, with you. The buck stops here. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So I need to continue that. that so is, with, that's important. That's how important it is to me. With the cousin name for you ending with a Z – and still being cousin, like I guess you can relate to the bison bison thing. Yeah, although I still don't, I still I don't think I'll ever understand why it is like that. Sure, but I I I can give you the whole story why my name is with a Z. Okay, let's hear it. You want to hear it? We got time. 
Okay, it was an Ellis Island thing. My so I'm Turkish Greek. Like my relatives were not from Greece. They're from they were from Turkey when Turkey and Greece were one united. Yeah. And then and it was so my name, you you have to stick with me on this one. Okay. Kuzin Jakaglu. Kuzin Jakaku. Yeah. And that was the full name. And then when they fled Turkey during the war, they came to Ellis Island. They You're changed... Turkish? Turkish Greek, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I thought you were like German or something. You learn something new every day, man. Yeah. I'm also Polish. Okay. Um, But, yeah, so they came to Ellis Island. My great-great-grandparents came to Ellis Island. And they and Ellis Island changed their name to Kazinos. Yeah. So the Z, Z, N, O, S. And then my and then my uh, my grandpa, who I'm named after, because I'm Nicholas the third, Nicholas cousin the third. He changed it to he took the O and S off. Hmm. Okay, so that's how you end up with cousin. Exactly. Yep. After that whole long story, that's how that's how you got cousin. How about that? That's pretty cool. That's uh, I had no idea about that. I'm learning a lot about you. Um, that's what this is about. It is. It is. Uh, so Nick, tell me. Uh, I, I bet it was nice to see uh, Miss uh, Taryn Temple today. It was, it was, it was, a, it was. A, she, as she's a listener of the of the podcast. I hear. Oh, we'll find out anyway. Yeah, we'll find out. But it was nice because, you know, I've I've been trying to hit her up. Oh, and, I'm sure a lot of people have. Yeah, but I'm 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 one of the closest people with her. I'm one of her one of her her, her posse or one of her homies. You know. LeBron says we can't say posse. Okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but what was what was what was the nicest part for me was seeing her work a camera, because so many times when we would go out on shoots together, it was me doing that. So it was nice to see her shooting an interview. That was that was I had to take that moment in. Yeah, just soak it in. Yeah, enjoy soak it, it in because I had never seen it before. And you didn't have to hold a camera. Yeah, you're like you know, hey, Taryn, you got this. I gave, her, you. I gave her some words of encouragement, and she went and did it. She even white balanced the camera and everything. Yeah, everything, every everything you need to do when you operate a camera, she did. That's great. That's great. Uh, Nick, uh, I- I'm not asking per se how long you have in Fargo, but where, uh, where where's the ultimate goals? Where do you where do you want to end up? I have kind of two two ish goals. Okay. Two-ish. Uh, first goal would to be get to back to Chicago, cover some of the teams I grew up watching, which would be fantastic. Um, but I think, I don't know, it, you ask this question to everybody, and they always say that, you know, the, the ultimate goal would be to get to the national level. Sure. That would be, and that would be the ultimate goal. But my first goal, in order, and it would be a good – it would be a good pathway if I was able to get to Chicago with the, with the high market size that it is, being number three. That it would be kind of helpful to get to that, get to that network level through that way, the national level. As a uh, White Sox fan, do do you love or hate Hawk Harrelson? Love Hawk Harrelson, love him. I I love Hawk too. Yeah. Good because people hate on Hawk Harrelson. I know, like you have to just accept him for who he is. It's like it's like Royals fans with Rex Hudler. Yes. It's very much like that. You have to go into the broadcast thinking something is going to be said, something sometimes dumb, sometimes out of the ordinary, some, and you just have to expect it, and you and you accept it for what it is. I love when he argues with umpires. Oh, when he, the the typical that's BS. Yes, yes, 
Love it. But yeah. you have to you have to love the home run calls where he's just you know the ball's just hanging in the air and he's just like stretch stretch you know that's that's one of my that's my favorite. You know? uh, if if you had to choose between if the city of Chicago only had to choose one, is it the uh, the great uh, Hawk Harrelson or is it uh, Harry Carey of the Cubs? I have more of a personal connection to Hawk Harrelson. Oh, do you? So I would, sh- I would, I would pick Hawk Harrelson. What's your connection with Hawk Harrelson? I've just grown up watching him. Oh, I thought maybe like you. Oh you no, said personal no connection. Like I was expecting. Well, Harry, Harry Carey was not doing. I mean, he was a Cubs and a Sox guy. Okay. And many many people don't know he actually did did White Sox too before the Cubs. Yeah. But so there was no there's no favoritism there, partiality, or however you want to put that. He he did both, so respect to that. But and he and he is more of a legend because you have Will Ferrell and such doing him on SNL and all that. I think more people know Harry now yes. for being impersonated than actually for being Harry Carey. Exactly, exactly. Can you do a Harry or a Hawk? I could not, could not reach that level. Okay, yeah, I, I can't do either one, yes. but there's some good ones out there. I could give you some 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 sayings and some slogans that they do, but I could not reach the level. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough, as far as that goes. Uh, last thing, and then we'll uh, wrap up on this. A- as far as being a White Sox fan, does that, like, do you, do you feel like a second-class citizen to Cubs fans? Yes. That's, <laughs> yes, very much so. There are, that's there like are, being a Clippers fan. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a good, a Mets fan. that's a good example. That's a very good example, but... I'm a true I'm a true fan, you know. I'm I'm a, I'm one of those guys that goes to a baseball game and if the team is really bad like the White Sox are, if it's if it's 14 and nothing or 10 to 3 and it's the ninth and it's the 6th inning, I'm staying to watch the whole game. That Paul Canerco jersey's hanging up somewhere. Yes. Paul Canerco. Let's see. I have Paul Canerco jersey, Tomei. Jim Tomey, um Frank Thomas. You know, those, Mark Burley. That 2000. Yeah, Mark Burley is my favorite player of all time. Is uh, is Obama an, a a real White Sox fan? Yeah, he's from the he's from the South Side of Chicago, so that 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 counts. I mean, he a couple of years back when they asked him who his favorite player was, he couldn't name anybody. I'm a little hesitant. I'm not sold on Obama being a real White Sox fan. I, I believe you are, but Obama what, maybe not. Well, it was nice that he did do. Even if he is not a real White Sox fan, that's not to be confirmed. But he did, when he threw out the first pitch at the All-Star game in St. Louis, he did come out in a White Sox jacket. That was cool. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, Michelle's a Cubs fan, though. So maybe some trouble in paradise in the uh, Obama household as far as that goes. Maybe that's why he can't choose a team, because he has to go with Michelle. Maybe so. Maybe that's where that comes from. Nick, where can uh, people connect with you and find your uh, great work? On Twitter and well, actually, all social media accounts, I have the same name to make it easy. You just N-C-O-U-Z, N-C-O-U-Z so people can pronounce it correctly because I've gotten Nick Cousins, Nick Cousin, which I have no Cousin. idea. I don't have no idea how you find Cruising with Cousin. Yeah, exactly. So the N-C-O-U-Z with the Z, so N-C-O-U-Z. That's where you can find my work, Twitter, Instagram. And then I have a professional Facebook page as well, Nick Cousin, KVRR News. It's tough to say KVR, even though I work there. There you have it. It's the, it's the two R's, man. It's the two, two R's. R's. Two, two R's. Gets you. Nick, uh, it, it flew by. We, we covered so I know. many different things. I know. I feel like uh, 
we, we it wasn't a long enough conversation. And, and now, since you've been here once, uh, you, you get to be a reoccurring guest. We'll have you back on sometime. Sure, so, yeah. As long as, as long as you're in Lawrence, I'll come back. All right. That's uh, Nick Cousin of uh, KVRR in uh, Fargo joining us here on the Jones Report. Big thanks to Nick Cousin for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. This year's Sweet 16, other than Gonzaga and Houston, the other 14 teams are all Power 5 conference schools, which is just crazy. We talk all the time about busted brackets and, you know, this mid-major did this or this mid-major did that. This bracket is pretty chalk. First time in a long time that it's been this way uh, at this point in the tournament that there's this many power conference schools in it late. And we came very close to it being very differently. If uh, Taco Fall doesn't foul out, then UCF probably would have beat Duke in the second round. You can point to a number of things that, you know, one ball bounces another way, and this Sweet 16 looks totally different. Instead... You have 14 power conference schools. Gonzaga, who, as I said earlier, is not really a mid-major. They just had to be in a mid-major conference. And then Houston, who is coached by one of the best coaches in all of college basketball in Kelvin Sampson. And the American is another one of those conferences that's just on the brink on the outside. They were better than the Pac-12 was this year. So a lot of power schools... And although that might be disappointing for those that wanted to see the upsets, in reality, Tom, we're actually going to see better basketball. These are better teams. These are better athletes, better coaches, better players. What we're going to see over these next couple weeks left with the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, then the Final Four and the National Championship, you know, the, the, the ratings reflect it. The ratings have been fantastic, the best since 1991. We're going to see much better games. Might not be the upsets that a lot of people would like to see, but if you're a purist of the game, you're going to see better games the next couple of weeks than we have maybe in years past. Oh, of course. And, and, you know, while at the same time it's a little bummer that there's not like a Cinderella per se to root for, uh, like you said, it's going to be better basketball i mean the games are going to be a lot more competitive there won't be necessarily to say any blowouts it's not going to be one team for sure over another uh and and while the teams that are in are, are like you said pretty chalk and set as far as like everybody knows these teams we know the players we've seen you know i would say each of these teams had a game televised this season like on a, on a bigger channel um, as far as it goes, you know, the games are going to be just a whole lot better. I mean, they're going to be down to the wire. At least I'm hoping. I mean, we all hope for that. It's it's going to be something to watch. It's going to feel, you know, these games are going to feel like primetime NBA playoff basketball. Uh, and it's not going to be something we have to go, oh, this team kind of just lucked out. Right. Uh, these teams are meant to be here. They have the players. They have the talent. They have the coach. Uh, they didn't just bullshit their way into this. Um, not saying a Cinderella team does BS their way to it, but at the same time, we're looking at some primetime basketball for this weekend. Oh, yeah, absolutely we are. And let's break it down by region. Right here in uh, Kansas City, it is uh, going to be the Midwest Regional, and KU will not be a part of it. They blew their golden opportunity to play in the Midwest Regional in their own backyard. Same with case with uh, Iowa State as well. 
Iowa State could have, would have had the largest fan base here, but instead, it's uh, going to be uh, you know some some teams. It's going to be the the Southern Invitational of sorts. Uh, as the one seed is North Carolina, two seed is Kentucky, three seed is Houston, the five seed is Auburn. First matchup will be North Carolina and Auburn, and then the second game will uh, feature Houston and uh, and in Kentucky in their game. Any of those four capable of winning this would not surprise me one bit. They all four play different styles, different brands of basketball. They're all four very talented teams, all four very well coached. If I had to pick a favorite, I think I like Kentucky the best out of those four, but I'm not confident in saying that. Uh, Auburn, even as the five, has just as good a chance as anybody to get out of this region. I think we're looking at three very good games here in Kansas City to come, and any of those four teams are capable of getting out to the Final Four. Oh, of course. Now, Jones, who did you pick in your bracket? I picked Kentucky. You did? Okay, so I picked North Carolina, and I'm not sure if you got to watch the North Carolina-Washington game, uh, but just the way they were, you know, Washington's not that great of a team, but they have uh, Thibel, who, you know, had his steals or, you know, got what he usually gets as far as the defensive player of the year for the Pac-12, but I uh, I don't think he scored any points. It was just clear that UNC was the better team there. Uh, as far as, like, Auburn goes, though, I think they might have a hell of a shot to upset UNC. I wouldn't mind to see UNC-UK uh, match up, but Houston, I mean, what Kelvin Sampson's done with that team uh, has been incredible. So I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if any of these four teams are the one to make it out of the region. And, and Houston had the best weekend of anybody last weekend between those four teams they you know you just took Georgia Tech to the woodshed and then they played really well against Ohio State Kentucky they they were just fine against Abilene Christian but they struggled with Wofford even with uh Wofford can shoot Fletcher McGee though who leads the country that was insane Fletcher McGee he you know has the all-time you know three-point record he didn't make a single three and yet they still almost beat Kentucky. Auburn, as good as they played against KU, they probably should have lost to New Mexico State in that first round. And then then uh, North Carolina really struggled with uh, Iona in the first round before pulling away in that game. And obviously, they took care of business against Washington. I mean, not only do you have uh, four teams that are all capable of coming out of this region, you have four teams that are all very vulnerable there. No, and that is absolutely correct. And I mean, if if this if Auburn loses to New Mexico State uh, and they gave them every chance, should have lost. Uh, argue, I mean, blatantly looked like it was a blatant that they were trying to give the game away there at the end. Um, if KU plays New Mexico State, we're looking at KU UNC, uh, and you know, not to you know we can play what if all day, but if I'm if I'm not mistaken here, has KU lost to Roy Williams? Uh, They've never so. lost to Roy Williams, no. See, and they would be playing in their own backyard. We can play the what-ifs all day, because uh, that's one of my favorite They beat New play. Mexico State earlier this year in the Sprint Center, KU did. Well, there you go, see? What-if, what-if all day. Uh, I mean, New Mexico State just couldn't you know, make Auburn sacrifice themselves like it looked like they were doing. 
Right. Uh, but that would have been a great storyline for you because you'll be there. That Roy Williams never beat KU. Um, unfortunately, he's got to go against Auburn instead. But uh, that, you know, we got a couple more regions obviously to break down. But uh, it's going to be a, some damn good games in Kansas City. I'm a little jealous that you'll be there. I still like Kentucky to come out of that region, but uh, like I said, I'm not going to be surprised if any of those four. You still going with North Carolina to come out of the South? Or the yeah, Midwest? I'll, stick, I'll stick with my bracket. I'll, I liked what I saw against Washington. They were able to, you know, there were moments, but it was it was clear that UNC had a hold of the game the whole entire game. Let's uh, go to the South region. Virginia, the one seed, taking on 12 seed Oregon. And Oregon has been one of the hottest teams in the country within the last couple of weeks. They uh, won the Pac-12 championship. They defeated Wisconsin uh, big time with an 18-point win in a 5-12 upset. They took care of business against UC Irvine with a 21-point uh, win over those guys. Now they play Virginia. And so much about this tournament, Tom, is about matchups. It's not about who the best team is, per se, but who matches up? And for Virginia, with the way that they play versus the way Oregon plays, two contrasting styles. Uh, Virginia, we have yet to see Virginia, even though that they've been very good in the ACC the last few years, they've not been able to make that deep run. And last year was a good example of that, losing to UMBC, obviously, in the uh, first round. You know, the and it 16. was almost like that this year. Right. Uh, being a 16, almost, you know, losing to one. You know, Gardner-Webb was leading in that game. Um, and Oklahoma played pretty well for a bit against Virginia as well. With that being said, if you take the seeds out, if you ignore the seeds for a second, I think you're looking at a pretty close matchup because maybe Virginia's the much more talented team, but Oregon is not a good matchup for this Virginia group. No, I don't think so either. But in the in the same sentence, uh, out of all the Sweet 16 games, this one to me, even taking away the seeds, is the easiest game to pick. You're still that confident in Virginia? Saying that, I'll say all right, I'm still taking Virginia. But, I mean, that's how good the teams are in the Sweet 16 to say, even with the matchup between Oregon and West – or not West Virginia – Oregon and Virginia, this is still the easiest game in my mind to pick uh, just because the talent level of the other 14 teams is that good. Right. Uh, when it, it, it well, you know, Oregon might surprise. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, but like I said, I, this is still the easiest game for me to pick or I'm most confident in picking Virginia over Oregon than I am any other game, especially the other game in the same region when you have Purdue and Tennessee going against each other. Tennessee really struggled last week. They Iowa uh, damn near about came back and did them. Yeah, Iowa was down by 25 and lost in overtime. Tennessee also struggled with Colgate in the first round, which I, I think most people thought was more didn't exist more than just toothpaste um, as far as what they were able to do. But Tennessee advanced. They got to the Sweet 16, some very close games. Purdue played awesome against Villanova, the reigning national champs, the way that they really took them down. And they got a win against Old Dominion, too. This game is a toss-up game, and if you're talking about reseeding and stuff, I would guess that Purdue is probably the favorite of this game now. 
Oh, with the way they dismantled Villanova, of course. Uh, and, and it's strange. The easiest game for me to pick in my mind would be Virginia over Oregon, while at the same time in the same region, Tennessee versus Purdue would be the hardest game in my mind to pick. Um, I have Tennessee in my bracket. I had Tennessee coming out. I had Nova beating Purdue, if that says anything about my college basketball knowledge. Uh, but this, this I think, Jones might be the best game of the weekend. Oh, it's going to be good. If I had to pick right now, I have Tennessee in my bracket, Tom. But based on what we saw this past weekend, if I had to redo this, I think I'd probably take Purdue to come out of the uh, South region now. Yeah, with the with the way they dismantled Nova, I would I would have to agree. Okay. I would not be shocked, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if Purdue and Virginia wins, and Purdue makes the Final Four at this point. With the way, if they can sustain the way they played against Villanova, would not shock me. Yeah, yeah. So there you have. We're on the same page. We like Purdue to come out of the South region. Let's move to the East region, and w- with Duke, first off, Tom. I feel like yes that they you know they they got by they squeaked out they pulled off the duke magic that they somehow pull off it seems like in the tournament almost every single year uh other than last year against Kansas uh when they lost in overtime to KU Duke I, I thought that game against UCF was an outlier they're not going to face another 7-6 center in Taco Fall again they still have the best player in all of college basketball in Zion Williamson uh, Zion is so NBA-ready. I mean, they have an NBA player on their roster, essentially, right now in Zion, who would be the best player on a number of teams in the league right now. I mean, they got real NBA talent in Zion. That was an odd situation. They they didn't, you know, it was the second game of the weekend. It was a weird matchup for them. I don't take away much from that loss, from that win against UCF. Uh, I, I don't think that hurts them too much. Uh, I think that was kind of their outlier game. I would expect Duke to just go ahead and move on to the uh, Final Four. Uh, I, I know that you have you know Michigan State there, but I'm still not buying them. LSU, uh, their situation is still messy. I don't think they can get past Michigan State. And certainly I'm not going to pick Duke to lose to Virginia Tech, a team in their own league. I think Duke has a pretty workable path to this Final Four, and what we saw last week against UCF was kind of they, they kind of got their bad game out of the way per se. Yeah, and and maybe so did LSU as well, and and I'll agree there with Duke. Uh, I think that was their outlier game. I think they'll take care of Virginia Tech no problem. Um, as far as LSU, uh, what a game they had against Maryland. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that, but that was one of the better games of the weekend. It was, it was. It was a big win for LSU to do what they were able to do there uh, and advance out. You, I, I assume you got Duke advancing out and getting uh, to uh, I, Minnesota. I do, but, you know, Michigan State took care of Minnesota pretty handily. Uh, I do in my bracket just, you know, from day one without seeing any of the previous wins, just like we all did. I did have LSU facing Duke, though, in the Elite Eight. So take that for what you will. Uh, take that Michigan for data. Rolled over Minnesota. I, I would be shocked if LSU did pull it off against Michigan State. But, uh, I mean, it, I think I would say, you know, 50% of America has Duke advancing uh, from day one uh, without even seeing any of these games. Take that for data? Yeah, take that for data. 
There you go. There you go. Uh, to the uh, West region real quick. Uh, Gonzaga's the one, Michigan the two, Texas Tech the three, and uh, Florida State the four. Florida State played very well in their win against Murray State. Gonzaga looked uh, solid in their two wins. Texas Tech looked great in their wins. Michigan looked uh, very good in their wins as well. I'm not sold on Florida State, but I think the other three, this is the second most competitive region of the four. I think you know Gonzaga, Texas Tech, and Michigan, none of those three would surprise me. It's the path that Gonzaga has the advantage of. This is where it benefits of being the one. It doesn't necessarily benefit you too much when you're the one seed in a 116 matchup versus being a two seed in a 215 matchup. Now with this, you're, you take example for Texas Tech. Texas Tech is probably just as good as any of these three, you know, any of these four teams in this region. But you have to go through Michigan and then Gonzaga to get to the Final Four. Gonzaga really benefits in this situation of, yeah, they play Florida State, and then they get either Texas Tech or Michigan. Texas Tech and Michigan, this is where they're at a real disadvantage because of having to go through each other and then Gonzaga. This gives Gonzaga a huge advantage, I think, in this region. Oh, I think so as well, and that that doesn't discredit uh, FSU either. I mean, when you're facing potentially the second most NBA-ready player in the entire college basketball in Jay Morant, um, and literally putting an ass-whooping on him, uh, especially after what Jay said, uh, you know, being cocky or being pretty confident in Murray State to beat FSU, to to put that whooping on them and go in and, and do what they did, uh, you know, they've got to be the least likely team to do this. But uh, who did Gonzaga lose to in the tournament? They uh, they lost to a Saint, you know, they lost to St. Mary's in their conference tournament. Okay, so, you know, that not that like that means a whole lot, but, you know, it can be done. I still have Gonzaga. As far as Tech, you know, Tech played NKY, and then they played Buffalo, so... And while Buffalo had a great season and they were a sixth seed, Tech has, you know, had a decently easy road, so to speak, in my mind, uh, compared to a lot of teams where, like, Michigan at first struggled with Florida a little bit. It was close, and then they pulled away. Uh, Tech and Michigan could go either way for me. I do have Tech uh, coming out, and then I have Tech versus Gonzaga. Uh, I put Tech in my Final Four. That's a little homer bias maybe there just because I like what uh, Beard did all season with that Tech team. But uh, I could see no problem with Gonzaga Tech uh, or Gonzaga Michigan uh, in this <clears throat> Elite Eight. And, and and as far as competitiveness or talent level, uh, like you mentioned, this could be the second-best region uh, out of the four. Right. I got uh, Gonzaga and Texas Tech advancing to the final. I got to go with Gonzaga to win it. But uh, I'm not going to be shocked one bit if Gonzaga, Texas Tech, or Michigan, any of those three win it. I would be surprised if Florida State came out of this region. But uh, Texas Tech, very capable of doing it. We'll see uh, what ultimately happens. But I think Gonzaga is just the best of those four teams. So there you have it. That is our region-by-region breakdown with a very good weekend ahead of college basketball uh, as we set the uh, Final Four uh, up to uh, head to – head over to uh, Minneapolis coming up next weekend. All right, Tom, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. What do we have this week? 
So Jones, we're coming from our favorite fast food restaurant. Uh, we're going. We're coming from Whataburger, and I'm not sure if you saw um, here recently. Someone made a water pistol, uh, and it was like a modded out gun. Uh, it looks like a submachine gun. It's actually technically a pistol, uh, and they decked it out uh, in Whataburger. I love it already. I mean, it was pretty cool. I, I mean, not. I'm not gonna lie. If, if someone gave me that, it would be. It'd be have. I would be like, yes, thank you. I would definitely be shooting up some good deals um but someone also mentioned a little side note here while we're talking that tennessee this weekend i don't not sure if you saw their warm-up pants but they look like they were sponsored by whataburger they, they should be sponsored by whataburger i don't know if there's whataburger in tennessee though kind of Are, small problem that you know you're going to be in tennessee uh what is it not this weekend but next that's true you better figure it out you got to find out you gotta have a patty melt in, at Bristol. I, Bristol being a short track, I know we're getting off track here technically. But Bristol as a short track with short track racing should have, you know, as fast as they run on a short track in as little time, they should have a water burger in the media center. Oh, they should. That or be, at least on location. That'd be so clutch. I, I had a in and out in Utah, Tom, and all I could think about was, I mean, this is okay, but it's not water burger. No, yeah. Whataburger, I mean, I could almost grab to Tulsa right now for a patty mill. As good as that sounds. Um, I, I had a, uh, I got a friend of mine, he's uh, he's British, and uh, he covers KU, uh, and he was saying, after trying out In-N-Out, he said that uh, this is just a glorified McDonald's. Ooh, that's tough. I, I mean, I, I like In-N-Out a whole lot. I do. I really do. And the first time I had it when I was in seventh grade, I thought it was the best thing ever. Uh, I still hadn't had a Whataburger at that point, though. Um, the Patty Melt is forever my favorite fast food item. Wait, you've uh, lived in the Tulsa metro area your whole life, and you hadn't had Whataburger until, like, seventh grade? I, I mean, how long? I mean, in seventh grade, when I was in seventh grade, that was 2005, 2006. I'm not sure how long Whataburger's been in Oklahoma. Whataburger's been in Oklahoma a long time. Are you sure? Yes. How do you know? I know for a fact of going when I was a little kid uh, to that location uh, along uh, Highway 169. Okay, fair. I, I mean, I guess I might have had it, but I don't remember it. But as far as like me living in Bartlesville... When we went to Tulsa, we went to, like, bigger chain restaurants, like Red Lobster or an Olive Garden or things like that. We didn't, like, when we were out in Tulsa, like, we were going to go somewhere. We were going to go to, like, a, a bigger chain restaurant. Or we were going to go just stop by McDonald's and call When, I, when I lived in Tulsa the first time, I remember uh, we lived very close to a Burger Street. And so my mom made a lot of visits to Burger Street and also a Backyard Burger. I you know backyard burgers delicious. I've never had, never had Burger Street, but isn't there one right by Big Splash? Uh, there there was. I don't know if it's still there. I know yeah, there's a water see, burger now fun. by there. There okay yeah there is right there right by that panda too. Yep. And now it's called uh, like Safari Joe's. Uh, it, the, yeah, it's lame. They should have kept the name. The OGs like Tom and I will still will always call it Big Splash. 
Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. I mean, you can't not. I mean, that could be a tomfoolery story in itself. It's called Star Joe's your fake news. Right. It's like people that go up to Chicago and they call uh, Sears Tower Willis Tower now. No, it's still Sears yeah. Tower. It's not the Willis yeah, even Tower. even in Bartlesville. And I don't know if you got this. I mean, you coming from the West Coast, maybe. I don't know. I think it's a bigger West Coast thing. But there used to be an Albertsons in Bartlesville, and it got replaced by a food pyramid. And everybody in Bartlesville still will call it Albertsons. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, they uh, food pyramid came in, and it's still like the exact same thing. It's still Albertsons. Exactly, and it will never be for if you're an OG from a town that had an Albertson to switch to a food pyramid. You'll never call it anything else. Right. So, what was this story? I think we got a little off track. Yeah, I know. I mean, we had a little side. I love it though. But Whataburger responds to a gunmaker after releasing what a pistol. So it doesn't get more Texas than Whataburger and firearms, at least according to one gun retailer. Houston, Texas-based HTX Tactical decided to pay homage to the Lone Star State's favorite fast food chain with its newest creation, the Water Pistol. The specialty AR pistol was designed with a Whataburger logo, signature orange and white colors, and a French fry magazine. It reportedly made for a Whataburger fanatic who commissioned the company. Obviously, Texas firearms and Whataburger go hand-in-hand, whether you enjoy firearms or not, co-owner Javier Garcia said to the Cron. However, the product, which is a -a one-of-a-kind pistol and is not available for purchase at HTX Tactical, did not get a sign-off from Whataburger itself. In a statement to Fox News, a spokesperson for the burger chain said it was contacting the gun company to stop using its brand to promote the weapon. This product is not affiliated or licensed by the Whataburger brand in any way. HTX Tactical does not have permission to use Whataburger's logo, and we have contacted them to stop using the brand to create and promote this product. HTX Tactical has made specialty guns before, including a Batman-themed firearm and a Houston Rockets-branded pistol, reportedly designed for the hometown rapper Paul Wall. Jones, I see where Waterburger's coming from because they don't want their name associated with uh, an AR pistol, per se. But at the same time, it's a, a, a one-off gun. It's not like they're pumping them out. Right. So just a one-off thing can be appreciated. Uh, now, if they were pumping them out, I could be like, okay, hey, calm down. Like, we're not... We were never contacted about this. We don't, you know, this is not a promotion. This is not a, we're not affiliated with you guys. We've never signed a contract or anything. One off, I I see a, hey, thank you for loving Whataburger retweet and leaving it at that. Especially right. since the gun company said, hey, we're not making any more of these. Right. If they're not making any more of these, I don't see what the issue is. I, I understand from Whataburger's standpoint let, let, me, let me step back for a second. I understand from both perspectives. In Waterburger is trying to protect their brand, and especially with an AR-15 and everything, like you know, with as much bad publicity there's been out there, I totally get on their end. They're trying to save face, especially if they're not making a penny out of it. At the same time, though, with only being you know a one-off thing, uh, I mean th- this short-lived, short-term. I don't think it's anything worth you know, creating a big fuss about. I could see both ways, but at the end of the day, Tom, this is going to be a, a collector's item that somebody's going to have, and everybody's going to forget about this story in like two weeks. 
Oh, yeah, of course. Now, like you said, I, I get where Whataburger's covering their butt. I, I mean, I would do the same. But they're not pumping them out. They're not. It's not a huge deal. I get it as a big corporation. You got to cover your butt. Uh, but this is going to die out. This will be done. It'll be a novelty item. And I can see someone, I can see the owner of the water pistol now selling it to a Whataburger collector, like a huge diehard Whataburger fan and being done with it. Right. Yeah. It, it was a good run. It was. I mean, Whataburger is a small enough chain while at the same time being big enough that you can do this. I mean, no one's going to want a McPistol. A McPistol. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one's going to want that. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, what, what about the... Uh... The 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 R the the, uh, the RV pistol. It's it's gonna have the meats. Yeah, we've got the meats on a pistol that's like big and bulky. Oh, wouldn't that be I mean, great? What, what would so what would be some more chains? Um, let's see. Like Apple or what's Applebee's? What's all good in the neighborhood? Right. I don't know how you would translate that, but you, you from Burger King, you go you got the. Uh, the whopping gun, yeah, have it your way, right? There's a lot of things you come up with. Waterburger does have some like good products, though. Like they they have a, a Yeti mug that's with the Waterburger. It looks like a Waterburger cup. Uh, they also that's pretty cool. They also have this one like ugly Christmas sweater. And this girl I know she she works at KU. I, I won't say who she is. But uh, she posted this photo around Christmas time at a Whataburger wearing the sweater. And immediately I said to myself, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm in love. Oh, oh my goodness. She had a patty melt. You'd have me sold. She uh, apparently she doesn't like burgers, though. She doesn't. So she loves their chicken strips. I'm like, OK, well, at least you're wearing the sweater looking uh, very uh, attractive. There, yeah, there you go. I, mean, I don't know if a female could look out. more attractive than wearing a Whataburger ugly Christmas sweater. I mean, Whataburger is delicious. I mean, if they built one in Bartlesville, I'd be in a serious pickle. I'd be, I'd be in trouble. That, that'd be a, what a problem. Yeah, it would. Yes, it, <laughs> it would be. That would be what a problem for my wallet and what a problem for my exercise. Did uh, did did your your girlfriend uh, ever make it to Whataburger? We discussed this that she had never no, tried it. Oh, no, she did. I, I okay. So then you know what's crazy? Let me hit you with some craziness here, Jones. Straight facts. So the first time she ever had Chick Fil A with me. First time she ever had Whataburger with me. First time she ever had Raising Cane's with me. So I assume you're good luck of some sorts. I guess. I mean, I, I couldn't believe she'd never been to these places, especially Chick-fil-A. That blew my mind. Did she like all three? Yes, she did. She said she thought that Cane's was better than Chick-fil-A. Ooh, that's a hot take. I think Cane's is better than Chick-fil-A. I like both. I just think I would rather have Cane's. Yeah, I, I, I like them both for different reasons. Yeah, I like Chick-fil-A for their spicy chicken sandwich. I don't think that can be topped anywhere at any time. Today, Les Miles bought everybody at the uh, the underground at KU, the, uh, the the dining area, bought everybody lunch. And so I got snaps from friends of mine that said, oh, yeah, Les Miles just bought me Chick-fil-A. Hey, that's cool. That's something cool to say. 
Have you talked to his daughter since he's been there? Smacker? Uh, I, I ran into her at the Big 12 tournament. She she found me and gave me a big hug. We need to uh, we need to get her on the podcast sometime. We should. We should. Yeah, that sounds good. What 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 do you think about the idea of KU football and uh, Rick Ross together? I mean, I think that's a beautiful beautiful thing for a night spring game. That is that that's legit. KU's doing something unprecedented. This is this goes a, a night nice spring game with Rick Ross goes in the same book that the midnight yell for A and M does. It it's very un KU like. Like a lot has changed in just a few months. I mean, he's bringing in a new culture. I can dig it. Right? Oh, I'm not complaining one bit. I like it. That that sounds fantastic. Tom, we got to get out of here today. Big thanks to Nick Cousins for joining us. And uh, we appreciate you, the listener, for stopping by. Glad to be back after a, a couple weeks off. And uh, we'll see you next week uh, right back here on the uh, Jones Report. As always, follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tucker Jones Live, Tucker Jones Media Group. Uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group. Instagram at Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and uh, D and uh, Jones underscore reports uh, is where you can find us there. A lot of ways to connect the show. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, all that uh, good stuff there. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. So long, everybody. Jones report. F- yeah.